Welcome to the latest episode of Inside Fintech with your host, Adam Clark. And for this episode, we have decided to focus on one topic only, the amazing story of Paddle acquiring Profitwell. So amazing, in fact, that they made it into a documentary. I caught up with their chief marketing officer, Andrew Davies, and interviewed him about the experience and what these two companies will bring to the SaaS payment space. But wait, if you're wondering whether you need to watch the documentary before listening to the podcast, don't worry. I've included snippets throughout, which will give you a flavor of the documentary and what they went through during that time. That said, I definitely recommend watching We Sign Tomorrow. Just do a quick search on YouTube and you'll find it or look in the comments, depending on where you are. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I enjoyed putting it together. It's not one risk. Everything is a risk. There's going to be like things that are found that you didn't even know about that are problematic. They're like, you suck at this. If you do this wrong, it's illegal. You do all these other things. And you're like, but I thought you thought I was pretty. I thought you thought we were going to come together. It's certainly the biggest thing we've ever done. I think there was 86 lawyers that were pretty consistently involved. Neither side was very certain that this thing was going to happen. As you're getting closer and closer to the end, everyone's like nerves are fried. We had to go out and raise $200 million. Andrew, thank you very much for joining Inside FinTech today. Uh, thanks for taking the time out to speak to me. Obviously, we're talking about ProfitWell and the recent acquisition, but also around the documentary as well, which is uh, a bit of a first, I think. Uh, certainly, I've never seen a, a B2B company create a documentary before, so I'm really excited to talk to you about uh, about all of that. How are you today? I'm good, thank you, Adam. Yeah, glad to be here. The first and foremost, I'd be really surprised if people listening to this podcast don't know who you are, and I know you're not in sales, but I'm sure you've got the elevator pitch down. So can you firstly quickly introduce yourself to those that perhaps don't know you and then just tell us a bit about Paddle? So my name is Andrew Davies. I serve the, the, the business Paddle as, as Chief Marketing Officer, um, formally joined full-time in January of 2022, beginning of this year. Previously to that, I ran global corporate marketing for Optimizely. Uh, we were a roll-up, um, multiple acquisitions, the first one of which was me selling my business I was a co-founder of, um, a personalization platform um, into, into that group. Uh, so I've been in the SaaS space for a long time, been a founder, been a CMO, um, love kind of the MarTech that I used to be in. In, um, even loving more the fintech space that I am in now. Um, and yeah, to answer your question on Paddle, we're a business that provides a complete payments infrastructure for software companies. So the way I think about it is as a software founder, you've really got two options. Either you go and set up your own you know, Stripe account or similar in order to take payments, but then for every you know stage of growth, there's more complexity that's added. You suddenly have to have multiple payment methods. You have to deal with multiple currencies. You've got to then think about fraud and sales tax calculations and remittance. Um, you've got to make sure there's quite complex billing logic that's sitting behind the scenes, subscription management. And you build that all yourself. You optimize it yourself. You integrate it all yourself. And the risk is all yours. Or you partner with someone like Paddle, and it does all of that for one simple fee, um, a small percentage of your revenue, and we optimize all of that at global scale and take full you know, liability for all of your sales tax compliance. So that's really how I think about it in the market. Amazing. Thank you very much for that. How have you 
this wasn't one of my original questions, but now we're digging into it. How have you found selling your own business and then sort of not being the uh, CEO? How have you found that sort of step down in a way, um, but more focused role as CMO? So it's been super interesting the last few years. Um, at Idio, which was the personalization platform um, that we co-founded. I co-founded it with, with Ed Barrow, who was the CEO there. We, we raised a bunch of money. We built it to about 60 staff. Um, and I felt we had a strong specialism in a, in a very specific niche of the MarTech space, the marketing technology space. Um, then moving into what was EpiServer, then became Optimizely. Yes, my role was more focused. Um, so I wasn't owning the entire marketing ecosystem at that business. Um, there were pieces of it that were owned by the leaders. Um, and I'm highly motivated by learning. And so I love the process of understanding the, the bigger complexity that comes with a large organization, then putting teams together and processes and strategies together from multiple acquisitions. That was fascinating too. And it's really funny, Adam, I, I, I made this decision um, about this time last year, uh, maybe a little bit more than that ago, that I either wasn't going to leave Optimizely until IPO and was going to run the whole stretch, or that I was going to only leave to found another business, another software business myself. Um, but came across Paddle, fell in love with it, and decided after I'd made that principal decision that actually I really wanted to join this earlier stage business aspirations ahead of it um, and and run that ride all the way through to to hopefully an eventual IPO here. Um, and, I, and I'm loving loving that decision, loving the, the, the journey we're on. Perfect. No, it's really interesting. Um, and it's uh, a real testament to you to actually change your plans and decide that actually, you know, you're not rigid in those and, and finding best fit for you uh, for your, your next stage of personal growth is, uh, is, is Paddle. So, and I've been really interested to see that, that journey from you joining Paddle as well as a, as a fellow marketeer. So I think there's, there's, there's a lot to be said for, uh, for finding your, finding your tribe and finding your place within an organization is, is perhaps more important than an idea um, that you've, you've had that you you know really go for. And actually, you know, it's, it takes a lot to actually go, do you know what? I'm going to be better here. So uh, great. We describe ourselves as conference friends. So for probably the last six years or so, we've met in every city that you can imagine. I'm Christian, I'm the founder and CEO of Paddle. About seven years ago, I started a company called ProfitWell. And at ProfitWell, we basically plug into your subscription billing system. And Paddle builds a platform for recurring billing uh, operations and kind of back office infrastructure for SaaS companies. We interviewed him at the Paddle office. This was, gosh, five, six years ago. We had a conversation, we hung out for about an hour. And then uh, quite literally, when I left the office, I called our CPO, Facundo, and I said, uh, this guy I just met, he's the only person in billing that I've ever met who thinks the right way or the way that, that we think the space should be. So jumping into ProfitWell, why did you buy ProfitWell? Aside from the obvious chemistry between the founders, it was, there's bromances and then there's bromances and that kind of felt like, you know, a serious bromance not just because of how well they got on it's 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 because of you both coming at the same problem from a, a a different angle is that is that fair to say yeah absolutely um 
And if people haven't seen the documentary, um, We Sign Tomorrow, do have a quick look. It's only 20 minutes long. Um, it was made by uh, an award-winning independent documentary filmmaker called Pitt Piper. He did a great job of pulling out that story of the friendship uh, between Christian, the founder CEO of Paddle, and Patrick Campbell, the founder CEO of Profitwell. Um, I mean, it was very authentic that, you know, the story we tell there, because you know, Patrick remembers to this day that moment when he met Christian and Harrison, the other co-founder of Paddle. And I think he tells it in the documentary that he called up his co-founder, um, Faku, who runs the engineering team at Profitwell, and said, this is the first person I've met. These are the first people I've met who think the same about the challenge of, of you know, billing and metrics and measurement within the SaaS space as we do. And, you know, one of the ways to describe that way to think the same um, both ourselves and Profitwell, uh, Paddle and Profitwell, they we we are approaching yes the problem from different directions, and we have very little overlap in the products we sell, but we think about it the same way in that we are trying to take the problem away from the customer rather than give them better tools to solve their problem. And there's so much software that is aiming to give you an easier life and help you solve some problems that you face, but we're all way too busy, and actually we don't need just software that helps us solve some problems. We want the problem to be taken away. And, and that's what you know, Retain does uh, at ProfitWell. It automatically reduces your churn without you doing anything. Um, and that's what Paddle does in terms of an infrastructure for self clients and subscription management and, and, and payments. So, you know, there was a really strong philosophical alignment there. And, you know, to answer your question, why did we buy it? ProfitWell is a really interesting organization. It's bootstrapped. Um, and they've done a really good job of building out uh, a, a very clear value chain. So they've got metrics, which is you know, the largest, the de facto measurement tool for subscription businesses. Um, something like 30,000 companies have locked in their, their billing systems into metrics to get better reporting on their growth, their churn, their MRR, et cetera. So they've got this, you know, the default biggest database in the industry. Um, that's free. Most accurate, most used, and it's free. Then secondly, they've got this, this um, business unit called Retain, which is automatic churn reduction. And then they've got Price Intelligently that they're really known, well known for, which is a pricing product helping software businesses, subscription businesses price more effectively. Um, and they had some other elements of value there. They've got a really punchy media um, style. They've got a, a team that are hired out of media and arts backgrounds to produce shows for them. Um, but you know that metrics retain and price intelligently were the three core bits of the business that didn't overlap with what we did at all all with what paddle did at all but we're serving very similar customers yeah when you put it like that it makes even more sense and i think that's kind of it's not a weakness of the documentary at all because it's 20 minutes and it's it's you know in 20 minutes you kind of get through and it won't certainly for me I, I watched it twice as you know i wanted to find out more and more and more mm-hmm. hence well, why we're rather- and so we're on this call. Um, and hopefully we're going to serve that need in all the other ways. So we've got a, um, a few extended cuts coming out. So we've got an extra five or six minutes just on the product and product vision. We've got another five or six minutes on the people and culture and the integration. Um, we've got another one we're doing on the marketing and planning behind it. We've got another one we're doing on the other various perspectives that weren't reflected in the very Christian and Patrick centric story. Um, so we've got a few more things we're trying to produce there because we've had multiple people ask those same questions. No, it's great. I mean, you, you told the story in the right way at the right time. And you didn't take too much time up. You've kind of answered a couple of my uh, my my further questions, but we'll, we, we, we'll, we'll still 
ask those because I think there's there's different angles to uh, <laughs> to go at. We first had the idea probably about like three or four years ago, but at that point it just wasn't even a, it wasn't plausible for us to kind of go and acquire probably any business. We had been building the business for quite some time as a bootstrapped, you know, had never raised any money. Um, and we knew going into 2022, we needed to raise some capital. We always thought, well, that's the traditional way to do it. And Christian actually, you know, had been talking to us for a little bit and was like, hey, what if we actually like came together? I flew out to Boston, met with Patrick and Faku, and kind of just pitched them this idea of it seems like we're kind of trying to do the same things and why don't we just do it together um 200 million dollars give or take uh 10 million is a lot to throw at a company uh why do you feel profit well was valued so highly so market leadership is always valued highly you know if you can get that you, you get an as a result of being the dominant player in that industry. And, you know, Patrick's engaged with a whole bunch of Twitter threads with, you know, some of the founders of Bear Metrics and Chart Mogul, et cetera, around kind of that dynamic. Um, and that's one reason, you know, that being the kind of the default player um, in that space is incredibly important. Mm. So market leadership, those various pieces being something that were so complementary with what we did would be another piece. And then, you know, there was a competitive tension. There were other bidders on this asset. <laughs> and um, and we felt that we had the ability um, from a capital raising perspective and a, and a future synergy perspective um, to be able to go and do this deal uh, faster and better than other people. And, and that proved true. Um, but we did have to act fast and we did have to make sure we could achieve the price that was uh, kind of, um, you know, we came to a negotiation uh, in order to make this happen. And you know, so Certainly, we feel we got the best end of the bargain because we believe there's massive upside as we serve customers better through this combined value proposition. We looked at a good group of um, you know potential partners, and we went on a number of dates, and uh, you know got got a little little deep with certain people. Uh, I, I will admit. We got Peter, Jimmy, Facundo, uh, Lamb, all the folks on the team. We brought them to the office and we said, hey, here are our options. Here's all the information, ask questions. We want you to basically like debate this out and tell us what you think. And then we'll, we'll make a decision. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I got from the documentary was the sheer urgency of, uh, of, of getting the funding, finding the right partners to provide that funding uh, and to get this over the line. Not only because you know people within Paddle saw this as a, a, a such an important strategic uh, purchase, but also because of the the other bidders, and it was only alluded to really. It was kind of like you know mentioned briefly, and it was like, um, and uh, <clears throat> how many pitches was it in a week? Was it forty eight or something ridiculous? I can't I can't quite remember off the top of my head, but it was something like that, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, really rigorous initial process going through you know all of the people we felt could provide the type of firepower and have the strategic alignment for this type of deal and yeah i mean christian 
boy oh boy he must have been burnt out by the end of that week because that was saying the same thing you know 40 or 50 times in one week and dealing with a lot of the same questions um, but that really structured a robust way of going to market to raise i think um you know got us to the place we needed to get to and we drove a very tight timeline with the investors as well there are a bunch of people who would have liked to fund the deal but couldn't move at the pace that we were we were requiring so that was a key part of the process <laughs> At the same time as all of that, we then also had to go to market and fundraise because we didn't have the cash in the bank that we had promised ProfitWell to, to, you know, to pay them. I had 42 meetings in a week, like with 42 different funds. I gave the same presentation 42 times. That was a fairly intense process of going to investors and selling the story that this was a, a horse worth backing. You've kind of decided up front that there's, of these 40-something people I'm meeting, maybe these are the seven or eight that I would love to go on the journey with and spend the next four to seven years working with. None of you in the, the business are uh, new to the whole fundraising thing anyway. Um, or how SaaS businesses work or anything like that inherently because of uh, the market that you, you're in and the tools that you supply. Do you think the whole experience taught you far more than you thought you knew? Uh, perhaps not just yourself, but the, the wider team. Was there anything that really stood out from a like, oh, oh, crap, this is why we need to tell this story because actually there's all these things that we've learned along the way so my default position on on any experience like this is that I've got a hell of a lot to learn so um, I certainly went in you know having having done you know five acquisitions or been part of five acquisitions I certainly came into this knowing that there'd be a huge amount of surprises and it would be it would be very different to any of the ones we've done before so um, I don't think there was any expectation from anyone around the table that we knew how to do this or could go and get this done according to you know the timeline we expected or according to the process we expected there's always uncertainty in, in the process and you know, we decided before we you know even got into the conversation in depth that we were going to do the documentary we felt that it was something that would either you know be left on the cutting room floor because it was such a trek that it wasn't worth talking about um or we could find something really valuable out of that footage to share with people about how these things can go wrong um but that the risk of getting involved with you know building a storyline and recording what we could as we went through that process live um, was valuable enough to add into the process. And it's a real testament to those who are involved here that they're willing to take that additional burden on top of you know, negotiations and legal conversations and constant document reviews that they were also willing to engage with you know, a camera in their face at certain points in time or a camera in the corner of the room when we were talking about detailed you know, strategic discussions. Um, so it was a real testament that people were willing to bear that additional burden through the process. Absolutely. And do you think it's from a marketing perspective, do you think there's huge value in showing people that to uh, startups and scale ups that are going through similar things to say, we get you, we, we know the journey, we know what, what's important to you, we know what actually you need to show your investors about your growth projections and pricing and all that kind of stuff. And we, we can help take you on that journey because we've been there ourselves. And this is like an acute example of, of that. Yeah, 100%. 
Um, I think the most interesting, you know, the most interesting content I read, whether it's a a, a book or whether it's you know a, a series or a podcast, is people talking about their lived experiences, and also the, the the learnings and the the discoveries from that lived experience, the things that went wrong and the things that went right, and so this was just an ambi- you know an aim and ambition to do exactly that in a bit more of a high fidelity manner. Um, you know, we knew we'd learn a lot, and we knew that our market is super interested in this type of thing. We serve software founders and. And it's the aim of every software founder to, you know, most software founders to, especially if they're funded, to exit at some point, to sell. So whether they're looking to sell or whether they're looking to buy a company, it's really interesting. It's it's really underserved in terms of content that speaks about it. Um, and so we knew it would resonate with our target audience. And so we thought it could be helpful or interesting or intriguing. We, we, we you know, thought we were uniquely positioned to do it because of the construct of the deal and the friendship of the founders. Um, yeah, and I think that's played out in reaction we've had to that people are really just enjoying consuming that and, and understanding a bit more behind the scenes um because it is a pretty a pretty opaque process you know you, there's often lots of legal restrictions people don't talk about what goes on uh, and i think it's nice to to, to open that veil oh, absolutely i i found it really f- refreshing as well you know working for a startup previously and seeing what i have with my own lens as well that those pressures and various other things it's like Okay, to see that all laid bare, again, that snapshot in time is really quite interesting. I think one of the most powerful moments for me was um, the founder being in the taxi and just getting the call and just being like, thanks. I'm not even sure you said thanks. It just, that was it. It was just kind of like, done, whatever. Yeah, I've done 48 this week. There's another 47 to go. It's okay, we'll get there. But just kind of like on to the next, you know, don't waste time like mourning it. It's done. You know, it is what it is. Um, that was really powerful to me because I've kind of seen that quite a lot where you can kind of get consumed by rejection and actually like stop you from moving forward. And I think that a moment was tough and it was like, let's crack on. I'm in a taxi to my next pitch. Hello. Okay, understood. Thank you. Bye. The first no from one of those was tough. You kind of oscillate between sort of having the best day of your life and the worst day of your life. Yeah, I, he's a better person than I am. I think I would have given up after about eight. Um, <laughs> and I was speaking to a CFO recently and he's like, 48. Is it 48? I did four in a day and I'm ruined. Um, I'm, you know, I'm glad it's Friday. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Um, so we sign tomorrow. When, at which point during this process do you think, hey, this is a good idea. Let's make a documentary. Was it, we need to make a documentary. Can we buy someone? Or was it, holy crap, we're going to try and buy this. Let's try and capture it. Which, which, which way around was it? It was definitely an acquisition that was of strategic interest, and then this was an addition on top. Um, when I joined Paddle, I knew that Christian had, you know, ambition, desire um, to really, you know, invest in and, and deliver value through a media strategy. Um, it's something that interested me about joining the business. And from ProfitWell side, they'd already ex- executed on that strategy successfully for many years. Mm. And uh, 
so then, you know, when I just floated the idea um, with a few people, there was an instant resonance and response. Um, I can remember speaking to Mariam, our general counsel, which would often be the most difficult conversation. And it was a, it was a hell yes. You know, as long as I've got sign off on the Dropbox um, that everything gets dumped into and get a view of this first, then absolutely, why not? Let's swing for the fences. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely an acquisition we wanted to go do. And then the documentary was a good way of portraying that. Um, and, you know, I, I think... There were many things that had to be true for this to be possible. You know, the founders' friendship, as we've said, the willingness of everyone in the business to tolerate this as an additional tax on their time during this process. But um, I think the moment when we realized it was also going to be a good idea was when we saw the first two minutes, um, Mm -hmm. which was Pip and his team created um, the very first kind of opening segment. And uh, we sat in the the boardroom in Paddle's offices in London and... You know, as someone who had kind of just been pushing this along the side, having Christian and Patrick in the room with Pip and myself, you know, I had no idea whether this was going to be something that was going to be intensely scrutinized. And, you know, Patrick's super smart on the media side of things and had expected 25 pages of notes about what needed to change. Um, but the second the music kicked in, and I think the music's a really key part of this. Yeah. Dale, who did that, it's beautiful the way he's tied together the emotion. Uh, as soon as the music kicked in and we walked through it, there was just everyone sat back in their seats and were like, this is going to be good. Like now we we can feel we can really commit more time into this process because the first two minutes are good. And now we can, you know, let Pip tell that story for the full 20. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. Um, And my next, well, I've got two next questions. The first one is, would you have released it as we don't sign tomorrow if it hadn't gone through? (laughs) And are you upset Netflix didn't pick it up? Uh, so there were there was a whole bundle of potential names thrown into the mix. Uh, we signed tomorrow was was the one that won, but there were a whole bunch of others. And I think if we'd if we'd um, if we'd not managed to do the acquisition, there would have been an equal number of good names uh, for, for the negative. Um, and, and you know, Netflix, hey there's still time for them to pick it up. We'll be doing much more of this. And so there's, you know, this will just be the first of, of you know, this type of storytelling that we engage in. Um, and I do think there is broad market awareness and interest in, in this type of, of, of content. Um, you know, it's interesting seeing the number of startups that are being covered, whether it's, you know, Uber or WeWork uh, by, you know, extensive, you know, retelling. And I'm not sure we're going to be quite doing it at that level of, of budget um, and, uh, and, and actors. Um, at the same time, like, I think people are really interested in authentic stories. And, you know, I can remember when I was studying an entrepreneurship class at university, and one of the topics was on how entrepreneurship in any given region is limited by the modeling, the models of entrepreneurs, and how someone like Richard Branson in the UK gave people a model to choose a different career path or think about the possibility of choosing a different career path. And, you know, I just see content like this as an extension of that into a specific niche um, where it gives people an idea and an access and exposure um, that can help them on their journey and inform them on what they might want to do. So there's still time for Netflix or Amazon Prime or Paramount Plus. There's there's quite a few streaming services available as well. We should uh, always remember that. Now, like, oh shit, this crazy idea that we have, like, we're actually going to do it. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
but I have some super exciting news. So despite these sort of headwinds in the market, um, I'm super pleased to announce that we've raised $160 million um, in equity funding led by the team at KKR with all of our existing investors participating as well. In addition to that, we raised an additional $50 million in debt um, should we need more cash to, to hit our goals. Obviously, we knew the ending, but few would know how you got there or realize how hard it is to raise money. We kind of covered this already a little bit, but what's the product sell within there? Are you, is that really what you're trying to eke out here is, is kind of like, you know, with the, the power of paddle, with the power of profit well, this is what's possible, but kind of try and just tell the story in a in a softer, more human way. So when we kind of articulated the you know the brand, so this the, the business rebranded back in January, February, it was something that was kind of underway before I came in seat, uh, but it helped kind of run it to completion. Bianca, who who leads that team, did a great job. And some of the thinking behind that was that our top level message is that we help customers go there. We help you go there. And whether go there is launch or whether go there is IPO, whatever that stage of the journey you're on, we help you go there, whether that is launch in 25 countries compliantly, you know. And so that was kind of one of the extensible statements that was within our own brand guidelines. And so, yes, I do think there's an element here where, you know, we are wanting to show people that they can go there. And this is yeah. just our version of a small part of our journey um, where, you know, something that we did that's I believe is transformational in our own growth um, and people can learn from that. We really aimed, I think we did dial down any reference to the product in this at all. We have a little bit at the beginning explaining briefly what we do and what Profit World did just to set context. Um, but this this isn't a product sale. We're not trying to expect people to come out of it knowing what profit will a paddle do. It's much more speaking, you know, a, an emotional story to founders who go through these crises on their journey of growth, um, and that you know you can you can get there. Um, you know, and and you know, an M and A process would be would be one piece of it. And I think there are pieces we can do off this that will dig into that you know product story in more depth. There, you know, just as you asked questions about it early on, I think lots of people are interested in that strategy and the crossover and how we're thinking about that. And so we can talk about that later. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd much rather people come to us with those questions rather than we, we ram that ram it down their throat in the in, in the course of that first cut. No, absolutely. The, the initial reaction was very, not quite like that's a terrible idea, but kind of like, well, no, it's our baby. Like we would never, never get acquired. We want to keep going, blah, 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 blah. But what we realized pretty quickly is like those types of things uh, were not mutually exclusive with merging or being acquired. We could essentially accelerate that journey in a way that we wouldn't be able to do even if we raised money. It was a very interesting kind of realization and we got over the, let's say, ego of, you know, being acquired rather quickly and we moved into, okay, what could this look like together? We could truly create something that's kind of greater than the sum of its parts and hopefully makes a substantial dent in, in what is kind of the way an industry runs. Do you even think of it as part of a funnel or is it just a story that you, that you want to tell? 
I mean, this is in marketers speak, right? This is right at the very top of the funnel. We're audience building. We're trying to do things that, you know, attract, interest, engage, inspire, um, you know, the, the the worldwide community of software execs and software founders. And uh, if there are a bunch of people who watch this um, that come across us for the first time, then I'm super happy about that. But yeah, it's just something that's right at the very top. Yeah, for 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 my side, someone that, uh, as love the paddle brand for and what it can achieve and what it can do to support businesses, whether they're funded or bootstrapped. I think that's quite important as well uh, to, mm-hmm. to highlight that bootstrap gets a bad name, oddly. Um, yeah. Whereas actually bootstrapping is, I think it's going to become trendy again um, relatively soon because there's enough tools there to allow you to start to bootstrap something. Um and get you to the next stage and get to your next stage. And and and, and I think there's there's uh, room for Paddle to be part of that conversation as well. And I'm sure it's something that you're looking at. But if I'm looking at how I'm going as bootstrapping something, how am I going to sell this? How am I going to sell it across markets? All of a sudden it's like, well, I don't need to take funding just yet. I can actually prove it. I can actually start to get that data and analytics, those paying customers in without having to throw a load of money or get investment here's my slide deck when you give me the money i'll be able to do this 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 you can actually get to market quicker potentially with paddle i think that's hugely powerful and i hope people thinking about creating a a startup whether it's in fintech or somewhere else actually see this and go wait a minute i could actually use these tools and have the same insight as a billion pound company or 10 billion pound company the same power and 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 regional uh compliance and various other things as as those really large businesses but at a much smaller scale as i'm starting to sort of scale up my idea and and, and that sort of thing yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got, you know, on, on the Paddle platform before we count Profit World, we've got about 3,000 different brands and, uh, you know, a huge number of them, a big portion of them are indie hackers, you know, bootstrapped, you know, people building something as a side hustle that builds into a proper business. Um, so, yeah, we're, 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 you know, we love that community. And Patrick having a successful exit as a bootstrapped founder, you know, yeah. adds real credence into that as well. So, yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, if anyone ever speaks to me, what should I use? Marketing, I'm like, well, how big are you? HubSpot, probably do that. What about payments, Paddle? That's that's kind of how it's sort of feeling now um, with people that I speak to. How do I handle my marketing and sales? How do I handle my payments? And it's, again, it's sort of certainly within the B2B SaaS space. I think that's what you're sort of rising towards and to, aiming for to be kind of in that well, Salesforce, HubSpot sort of space where you're synonymous with B2B SaaS payments. And I think you're very much on the way to doing that. And ProfitWell is helping you get there um, perhaps a step quicker than perhaps you would have done previously. Is that is that fair to say? Is that is that where you're you're aiming for? Yeah, 100%. And, and I hope that's the case. Um, you know, we're hearing that from a few different places. I think some of the press coverage around this acquisition was really interesting. There was a couple of articles that said exactly that, you know, there there are now two players in the payment space, Stripe and Paddle. Um, now, we're not in a vendor bake-off. You know, we're a massive customer of Stripe. It's part of our stack, right? We're trying yeah. to do a lot more on top of that. Um, but to me, there is a, a philosophical two-horse race here. It is a 
I'll own everything myself, build it myself, spend engineering and finance resource on doing it myself, or I'll partner with somebody and focus all my energy on the customer and the product. And so, yeah, that philosophical two-horse race is something that we do want to preach and something that we do want to let people know about. And so, yeah, I certainly hope that what you're saying there is true. Yeah. No, good. That's uh, really, really great to hear. I think one of the key things for me that always concerns me and Amazon were recently uh, touted as potentially buying HubSpot, which scared the life out of me because I, I, I love their independence. I think the same thing might be the same for you. There's, everyone's got a price. Everyone wants to exit at some point, whether it's IPO or, or sell. That's, that's Would you sell to one of those? Or is the plan to actually keep yourself cloud independent, platform independent? Yeah. The ambition of this business is to grow a industry-defining business on our own. Um, we're not building for exit. We're not building kind of for one of those ecosystems. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely, we will. You, know, I think number one, we need to be better at integrating with multiple other ecosystems. And that was actually something that was a key part of the justification behind this acquisition because Profitwell integrates with every other billing stack and has lots of other integrations into core CRMs, et cetera, et cetera. And so and Paddle hasn't been great historically at doing that work. And so that was that was a key part of it for us. And we're going to invest more in integrating what we do into even competitors, right? To make sure that people feel yeah. they can they can they can pull this this stack together themselves. Um, but in terms of you know our ambition of where we're going, yeah, we're trying to build a, a company that solves from you know the early stages to the end stages of growth. Whether you want to understand, operate, or grow your software business, we want to be playing a part in that journey. Um, and so we're definitely thinking independent, thinking about how we can make this big for the long term. That's great. Obviously, from the sort of marketing perspective, Martech in particular and fintech. Mm-hmm. Martech's seemingly been around a lot longer. It's probably a, a more mature market, and you've you yep. certainly have the, the case with Salesforce, HubSpot, and all the others. They have marketplaces often with competing products and services, and they know that to retain customers, sometimes they need to integrate with competitors and certain things. Like HubSpot knows it's not the best at everything. Salesforce knows it's not the best at everything. And they know that people like to pick their stack. I think that's the same from a sort of SaaS stack perspective where you might have Amazon Web Services over here, then Paddle and various other things, um, Contentful or another type of headless CMS and and various other things that you're going to pull through and create your startup stack i suppose is that kind of what you're seeing as well where sort of the b2b SaaS tech stack more broadly is from the finance side is, is maturing now and sort of in a similar way yeah 100 percent. and you know there's always this kind of conversation of um you know do we need kind of a best of breed solution um or do we need something that's you know best in class for each one of those point solutions and people are taking different approaches there but broadly the trend um you know i think broadly the trend in the in the kind of scale up world before you get big um is that you want to piece that together yourselves because you want to have maximum impact to each one of those different areas and then often you end up with one ecosystem or another later on. Um, but yeah, we, we want to be working with both of those you know, types of customer. And yes, we are seeing you know, the, the executive teams we're working with at our customers, they want to be in control of, of their strategy and how they build a stack that matches. And you know, Paddle will be a part of that rather than the entirety of it. Perfect. Well, I've got three more questions and they're relatively quick because I know you've got a hard stop. So sure I won't keep you. First one, 
is there going to be a sequel? Like, um, are you going to buy another company? Are you literally <laughs> itching to buy another company so you can make another one? I don't think making another one is predicated on buying another company. Um, I think we might want to tell the one year out or the six months out story um, about how it's going. And I definitely think, you know, exactly as you're thinking, you know, thinking about how we tell the stories of our customers would be another angle here. So we're definitely thinking about what we'd be investing in next, um, whether it's a direct sequel or not, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> I'm super interested in the cultural side, the integration side. I know you were in New York uh, last week. As part of that, I, I, I imagine. Um, how's that going? Again, I think we're going to see more about that, but how's that going? So I've done a bunch of these, been through a bunch of these processes, and uh, it's always a mess. It's always a chaos, uh, massive uncertainty, people miscommunicating, not understanding the historical background of each other's processes and nomenclature. So it's messy, um, but it's broadly on track. And um, yeah, we'll be cutting a few kind of uh, blog posts and, and, and pieces to camera on, on this in a bit more depth. But yeah, broadly, I think we're on track. We're having the right conversations. People are leaning in on those conversations. And, you know, frankly, um, you know, there's always this journey you go on after M&A where people describe themselves as paddlers or profit wellers or the profit wellers often describe themselves as pre-paddlers in our world. So the pre-paddlers and the paddlers and that's really helpful naming in the initial stages and then it becomes hurtful it becomes harmful because actually now you want to unify against the next challenge together so i think right now we're in that process of ensuring people are finding a new identity in their teams a new goal to go after um and yeah i i think we're, we're making good progress that's great uh and i lied about three questions um because i just thought of one more fintech to watch is there one in particular at the moment that you think is absolutely nailing it? Perhaps people don't know about necessarily, but you're just seeing the traction and, and what they're doing, just absolutely nailing the problem. Not for investment advice or anything, just purely out of interest. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if I broaden that slightly, the, the category I'm super interested in is, is things that make up the go-to-market that is summarized as product-led growth. We, we, we serve a whole bunch of people you know, that are product-led growth businesses. They're selling via checkout at self-serve. And so there's a few people in that space that I find interesting. Um, so you know, a partner of ours, Meter, I think is super interesting on usage-based billing. Um, so doing all of those complicated calculations on, on how you'd calculate in a usage-based environment, which is you know, part of often a PLG motion. Um, there are people who are doing some interesting work, um, you know, correlated and others on how you find sales signals within product-led go-to-market go motions that I think are super interesting because historically there's been this kind of Atlassian type, no sales rep, sales reps are evil, set up a checkout, let's go for it. And then the Salesforce model of, you know, speak to a sales rep at every opportunity. Mm. And uh, we're seeing those models merge. And so, you know, to broaden your question slightly, I think there's a bunch of people playing in that space, which I find super interesting. Oh, there's... That's fintech to me. That's uh, that's still talking about money. Um, so, <laughs> um, and the last one is a, a, a book recommendation. Have you got a book recommendation that you would uh, for budding fintechers or startuppers or bootstrappers that you would recommend one that's burning hot on your shelf at the moment, or you've just put oh, down? I was just looking up to my shelf. I um, I, I love the you know maybe comes across in doing the documentary. I love the the um kind of 
storytelling of business successes and failures. Uh, I love reading books like Shoe Dog about Nike. Um, love reading, you know, PayPal Wars. Um, going back to the core ones that everyone's read around hard things about hard things and zero to one. Um, you know, Ben Horowitz and Peter Thiel uh, all would be top of the list. Um, the one that's on my desk right now is uh, Bill Walsh. The score takes care of itself, um, oh, nice. which I think is a super interesting concept. You know, the idea of not constantly measuring the scoreboard, but measuring the inputs that then kind of result in the scoreboard, mm. um, which I think is a, a, something in a very metrics-driven environment that we, we tend to bias towards the scoreboard all the time, whereas sometimes the scoreboard isn't telling the story of what we're seeing on the ground. So, yeah, there's there's a few few. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. Uh, I'll have to play that back and, and write them all down afterwards. But uh, Andrew, I really appreciate your time. That was really, really insightful and really, really interesting. Um, I'm glad it's going well, but also I'm glad you're fully aware of the challenges, particularly around the culture and integration, and you're, you're doing things around that. It shows that you really care as an organization that this acquisition works um, and adds benefit ultimately to the customer is why you've done it in the first place of course so um yeah anything else you'd like to add any discount codes <laughs> we are running discount codes for referral partners we've got lots of you yeah, but but in all seriousness really appreciate the time adam and uh, anyone's got any questions grab me on linkedin um that's the easiest place to get hold of me andrew davies on linkedin uh we'd love to chat to anyone who wants to dive in deeper but thanks for the opportunity adam no thank you i'll speak to you soon thanks cheers Everything is a risk. Are the people going to be happy? Are the customers going to like it? Is the market going to like it? Can we find enough money to do it? We kept coming back to, we align on values, we align on the mission, we align on so many different things that these other opportunities may be more lucrative, um, but I don't know, we might be miserable. We agreed terms and we signed a timesheet to acquire profit well in January. We went into the new year with, no, this is the right decision. And then it became more about where do we go from here?